The following story, told by Michelle Jones, was recorded for Superthank at our live storytelling event of November 2014 at Eastburn in Portland, Oregon. So imagine this. You're at your house. You're in the midst of a big home renovation, right? Like busy, busy, busy. There's chaos everywhere. There's a mess everywhere. And you have a knock on the door. And it's a city inspector from the city of Portland who's shown up at your house to check to make sure that you have all the permits that you're supposed to have because your neighbor suggested that they check. You've been there. We've been there. Okay, okay. Or maybe one morning you wake up early in the morning, you've got an early, early morning meeting for work, like way earlier than you usually do, and you go to back your car out of the driveway, and your neighbor has, must have come home late the night before and ever so slightly par- par- blocked your driveway, so you just can't quite get your car out, right? And so you've got to take the bus at like 6 o'clock in the morning to work, right? Or maybe... You come home from that same day, right? You're annoyed. It's been a long day, lots of very early morning meetings, and you couldn't get your car out of the driveway. And you've been to the grocery store, and you've got your arms full of stuff, and your neighbor's next to you, struggling to get the grill out of the back of her pickup truck, right, to move to the backyard. And you set down all of the things that you've been carrying, and you help. And then the next time you see each other, it's like, oh, we don't even know each other, right? So... But imagine that time that you're traveling, and you're on the other side of the world, and your plane gets canceled. And you call your friend who's been dog-sitting for you, and you say, I'm stuck. I've got to stay a couple of extra days. Can you help? Can you stay just a couple more days and take care of my dog? And it turns out that while the friend really, 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 really wants to, can't, because she got called out of town for work. And so you call your neighbor, who doesn't really like dogs all that much, but you know happens to be available. And she says, yeah, of course. I'm happy to take care of your dog. Nice. And then a few days later, when your flight gets rescheduled and you do come back into town, and you make yourself a very, very, very much-needed pot of coffee, and then you open your refrigerator, and you've been traveling for a while, and you realize you have no cream for that coffee, and you text that same neighbor who's been taking care of your dog, the one who doesn't really love dogs, and you're like, thanks again for the taking care of the dog. Um, I know it's 6 o'clock in the morning, but do you have any cream for your coffee, for my coffee? And she not only says, yes, of course, have the rest of the carton, but she delivers it to your door in her pajamas, right? So, and the, these are just our neighbors at home. We also have neighbors at work and neighbors at our places of play, Neighbors at the dog park. Neighbors at the places that we go to frequently, the coffee shops and the restaurants. Neighbors have this intimate role in our life, sometimes because of friendship, but most of the time just because of proximity, right? So, and for those of us who have a very, very fierce sense of independence, this can be pretty tough, to have this kind of relationship with our neighbors. Four years ago, I decided I would live in a tiny house. You've probably heard of them. They're these like little, very, very small spaces, like 100 square feet on wheels. You can hook them up to a truck, tow them around, stuff like that, right? Mine's parked in a friend's backyard. And when you choose to live in a tiny house in a friend's backyard, you kind of have to reevaluate your willingness to be vulnerable and to ask for favors from 
from your friends, from your neighbors. So this took a little bit of adjusting for someone like me who needs this independence thing. I asked a few friends to share with me some stories about their neighbors. I didn't specifically ask for positive ones or negative ones, but 95% of the ones that I got were positive stories. And I'd like to share three of them with you tonight. Uh, Stories of neighbors. I was moving into my apartment after a very terrible living situation, and I couldn't get most of my friends to help me. I had to get the moving truck back in 20 minutes, so I unloaded my things in the grass on the front lawn, and my neighbors, without ever meeting me, came down with four of their children and moved me in. Our across-the-street neighbor died last year. He was 94 years old. A couple of years ago, there was a windstorm that knocked a huge branch off of one of our trees in the yard, maybe a day like today. We left it there for a day, planning to take care of it at some point. When I got home from work that day, it was gone. Our neighbor, who was probably 91 or 92 at the time, had brought over his chainsaw, cut it up, and hauled it away. I had colon cancer 13 years ago. After surgery, I had chemo for eight months on a weekly basis. One day after chemo, about a month into treatments, I found a little bouquet of flowers on my porch. It was a sweet little arrangement of wild flowers in a little baby food jar. And the next week after chemo, there was another little bouquet of wild flowers in a different kind of jar. And the next week, and the next. For several months, one of my neighbors collected little flowers from her yard, so I had a little gift waiting for me after treatment every time. I think she'd been doing it for at least two months before I found out who she was. And I was so touched and began to look forward to the little flowers. And I still have some of the containers that she used. Our neighbors changed the course of our lives, sometimes in big ways and sometimes in small ways, and they provide an element of consistency and support that we often take for granted and sometimes we don't even know is there. A few months ago, I had to make a very difficult decision to euthanize my 12-year-old cat, George. George and I had been together since he was a kitten. I got him in an animal shelter when I lived in Rhode Island many years ago. And in the six months or so before his death, he stopped wanting to stay at home quite so much and wanted to stay out in the neighborhood more often and explore and have adventures. Um, He's a very cool cat, lots of personality, and the neighbors loved him. All the neighbors loved him. They'd talk about him. He was sort of like this epic character in our neighborhood. In particular, the neighbors two houses down on the same side of the street, they really, really, really loved him. And... They would sit on their porch every evening and feed George little fancy food, like the fancy feed stuff, you know, like the stuff that I would never give him, but like the super special stuff, which is probably part why he liked to stay out in the neighborhood and get food from them more so than coming in. Um, I didn't know this at the time, though. I found that out later. Um, They contacted a mutual neighbor of ours, like the neighbor that lived in between, like where I lived and where they lived, and they said, hey, we're we're worried about George. Uh, He seems like he's very suddenly losing weight, and he's not getting around quite so much, so uh, we should probably uh, let Michelle know so she can check on him and stuff like this. So uh, I took George to the vet multiple times, 
and we had lots and lots and lots of series of tests. And after a series of tests, he was diagnosed with a really aggressive form of lymphoma and given only a few weeks to live. So I brought George home and kept him inside the house for several days, wouldn't let him out into the neighborhood. Um, but after a couple of days, it was clear that he really missed the neighbors, right? He missed the, you know, seafood scraps that he got from the guy who lived across the street who owns a seafood shop. Uh, and he missed the fancy feast and, or whatever he missed. And so I decided, all right, George, we're going to make a deal. So I'm going to let you out all day during the day. You can stay out as long as you want, do whatever you want, as long as you come home every night. And if you don't come home every night, I'm going to come find you wherever you are and bring you home every night. He seemed okay with this deal. So I let him out, and that first evening I went to find him. And that's when I met Tambrin Brock for the first time. So before this night, I couldn't have told you anything about them. I knew that they lived down the street. I knew that they had um, like a faded brown house. Uh, sometimes when I'd walk past their house or go around looking for George and stuff, they had this amazing music playing pretty loudly, but beautiful music playing from their, from their living room. Uh, and they had a little blue sedan that had like a Stuart Colbert 2008 bumper sticker on it. So I thought they probably had to be pretty cool because of that. So, but I'd never met them, right? So this first night of uh, the new deal that I've got with George, I go over to, to collect him from their house, which is where he would often hang out, and, and that much I knew. And I approach their house, and I look for him in the usual spot, and he's not there like under the bush. Um, and so I look up, and he's sitting, he's on their porch, and he's eating dinner. And sitting next to him on the porch is Tambra, and she's petting him and saying nice things to him. And standing in the doorway behind them is Brock, and he's telling Tambra about his day at work. And uh, they look like this nice little family. And I go up and fairly awkwardly introduce myself as George's mom, who lives, you know, down the street. Uh, and in just a couple of moments of talking to them, I'd never spoken to them before. I didn't know them. Uh, and they, it was really clear in just a couple of moments that how much they cared about George and how much they loved George in just the short amount of time that they'd been taking care of him. And I kind of got the sense that they feel this way about all creatures, that they just have this love inside of them. And so I expressed my deepest thankfulness that they've been taking care of George and making him feel happy, and I thanked them for sharing with our mutual neighbor that they were worried about him. And then I told them the bad news the diagnosis from the vet, and they expressed their sympathy and said if there's anything they can do, you know, to let them know. A couple of weeks later, after I returned from the vet for the final time with George, on my way home from the vet, I stopped at the store, and I bought a thank you card and a plant. And I took it to Tambourine Brock's porch, and I left it in the spot where the bowl that used to be for that they would use to feed George every night. And the next day, I had a voicemail from them, which was probably the most encouraging thing and most supportive thing anybody had been able to offer me during this difficult time of my life. And ultimately, they were strangers to me. And yet, in that moment, I felt closer to them than I felt to any members of my family. So... We all have neighbors, where we live, where we work, where we play. And every day, we each get to make the decision about whether to strengthen or diminish those relationships. And sometimes, with, for people like me, with 
very fierce senses of independence, it's really hard, right? But our neighbors are the people that make our communities stronger in small ways usually and in, often in ways that we overlook and take for granted. And so because of people like Tambra and Brock and people like Rebecca and Joe and Ani and Toby and Stacy, I hope that we all choose whenever we have the opportunity to strengthen our relationships with our neighbors because it's those communities that make us all a better community. So tonight I want to express gratitude for neighbors. Thank you. Oh. Thanks to Michelle for telling us that story. You can listen to Superthank on iTunes or on SoundCloud. To find out more about Superthank and our events, or to pitch us a story, visit superthank.org.